Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm great. Stories about illegitimate children always make me smile. <laughs> it could have been worse, Matt. I suppose it could have. We're uh, going to we're gonna get down. There's, there, there is a timeline where this episode's worse than it is. God, I can't... <laughs> I can't imagine how I've I've seen season eleven. Let's let's get to it. <laughs> Hi guys, we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash the Simpsons Show for only two dollars a month. Get access to all of our bonus content, bonus episodes, weekly episodes, reviews of, of Simpsons, new episodes of the Simpsons, episodes of King of the Hill and Rick and Morty. We just did Pickle Rick. And boy are my arms tired. We should pickle Rick and Boy are our throats tired from yelling pickle Rick at each other. That's that's really what it is. It's thirty minutes just yelling pickle Rick at each other. I'm, I'm pickle Rick. Thank you. That's on the Patreon. Encourage you guys to check it out. This week's episode is Insane Clown Poppy. Episode B A B F seventeen originally aired November twelfth, two thousand, written by John Frank and Don Payne. This is their first proper episode uh, uh, written together. Uh, they did contribute to the Trials of Horror episode this season, but this is their first full-length episode. They would go on to uh, write more together and separately um, produce <sighs> – they would go on to write and produce a lot of episodes until Don Payne's uh, tragic uh, death. He would also – Don Payne also co-wrote co Thor and Thor the Dark World. So, so they, the two least good of the Thor trilogy. Eh, I don't know. I – I like all of them. They're all they're different. They're all different from each other. I think that's the, they definitely are. That's, that's for the sure. fun thing. I mean, even all the Captain America movies are different from each other. I think that's the fun part of the Marvel movies. They're all even the, the same within the same hero. The movies are different. Um, so, so directed by Bob Anderson uh, got a let's see nine point three rating, which they say works out to sixteen point four million viewers. I don't know how that works, but sure, I think that. Nielsen ratings are weird because they don't necessarily numbers don't go one to one and uh, whatever. Um, the chalkboard gag. I will not surprise the incontinent. I don't. I get the joke, but mm -hmm. I don't think it would make a difference. Honestly, that's not what makes it. No. Okay. The couch gag. Uh, we get it's bolt time. Bolt time. Hey, you run, you know the Matrix, Matt? I do. What about it, Robbie? They do. It's a Matrix couch gag. They they uh they jump towards the couch. The the camera freezes, rotates, and they drop onto the couch like the Matrix. Matrix was a good movie. It's true, and it, it would have been fairly fresh. I'm sure by the time when this episode aired, uh, they had not gotten to the sequels, so it, it's okay to still like the original, the Matrix back then. I I like the sequels. Here, I'm gonna say it. They're not good, but I like them. They're they're better than a lot of people make them out to be, but yeah, especially the third one is just like what? I mean, it's kind of devolves into kind of philosophical mumbo jumbo at a certain point, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, this episode guest stars Drew Barrymore as Sophie, Jay Moore, comedian Jay Moore, doing an impression of Christopher Walken, Stephen King as himself, Amy Tan as herself, John Updike as himself, and Joe Montana as Fat Tony. So uh, quite an array of guest stars in this episode. Well, they're mostly in the um, uh, literary festival at the beginning. It's really where all the humor in this episode is. In the, it's in the first act, you say, Matt? Compared to the other two. Uh, so we begin the episode with Homer and Bart playing with fireworks. 
on a Tuesday, like you do. I don't. I, they they specifically mention it's Tuesday, so I have to think that they're trying to make a joke about them. Neither of them at work or school just staying home on Tuesdays and using that's fireworks day. I guess, Matt. Yeah, I'm wondering that too. Maybe it's after school kind of thing. I do, I I don't know. It they're they they're blowing up things. They're lighting off fireworks. They're blowing up stuff. Marge gives them a list of chores. Uh, they obviously decide to do the chores using fireworks, like blowing up a blowing open a stuck drawer, which works, I suppose. Uh, they then do a planned demolition of Santa's little helper's doghouse. Dog house. Which I will applaud them because it goes as planned. It's a very neat implosion. Like it doesn't destroy any surrounding structures. You know, if you're doing that kind of work in a city, I think that's what you want. Unfortunately, the planned reconstruction of Sansel Hubbard's doghouse is not until the year 2007, which is seven years from the time of this episode's release. Each. <laughs> so Sansel Hubbard gets this. He, he believes he sleeps underneath the plans. For the new doghouse. So that's good. Poor Sans little helper. He just gets screwed in this. This episode is not, again, this is, uh, it is just more of that kind of vague meanness that kind of insinuates itself everywhere. They then go and need to, that's it. It's, they, there's a VCR in Lisa's room that needs to be fixed. That's what it is. I'm like, why did they blow up Lisa's room? Oh, because they needed to fix a VCR. Yeah, there's a tape stuck in a VCR. Like, okay, I guess it's one reason to blow up your kids at red room. So they, like, uh... I have a feeling they would have been hurt really badly had they actually done that. Matt. Because, I mean, they just jump behind the, Matt, the bed. Matt, this the is... Matt, I know. Last I know. episode, literally, Homer's entire torso was ripped open with organs popping out. In this episode, it is very tame, comparatively, honestly. There's really not, other than them getting shot at by hundreds of bullets at the end, but that's a different, <laughs> this is a different problem. So they uh they blow up Lisa's room, and Lisa wants something back in return. <gasps> What's going on here? Uh, honey, there's a point in every father's life when he blows up his daughter's room. Oh yeah, you didn't blow up Maggie's room. Oh, Lisa, this must be a rough time for you. Do you have any friends or family you can stay with? You've ruined all my stuff. Oh, come on. Tell us how we can make it up to you. Hey, pretend it's your birthday. It is my birthday. That's the spirit. Now, what do you want to do? Well, the book festival starts today. Anything at all. You name it. What do you want to do? Uh, they go to the book festival. Yes, because quite frankly, it's, it's already the freaking... Um, uh, Lisa's birthday, and Homer uses that opportunity to blow up both of his daughter's rooms. Yet not Bart's room. Weird. Maybe Bart already destroyed his own room. I I, I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. This is all just a. This is this is a season Scully years Simpsons episode two a t. There is nothing in the first act that is important until the end. It is all just random nonsense. You know that is varying levels of entertaining. But none of it is important to the plot. It is actually, I can't think of a single thing that happens before we see Krusty that matters. Uh, no, not really. No, because it has no bearing whatsoever on the rest of the episode. Nope, not at all. So they go to the book festival. We see Reverend Lovejoy as a cookbook, including 
Stigmata Cupcakes and Mary Magdalene's Orgasmic Eclairs. Which, sure. Sure. Kind of thing they would make. That seems like, that seems like if that book was coming out now, that's like an ironic cookbook with like, hey, funny, isn't this funny? They'd be like cookies shaped like Jesus or something. I, that doesn't seem like that. So then this is where we introduce the array of literary guest stars, starting with Stephen King. So, Mr. King, what tale of horror and the macabre are you working on now? Oh, I don't feel like writing horror right now. Oh, that's too bad. I'm working on a biography of Benjamin Franklin. He's a fascinating man. He discovered electricity and used it to torture small animals and green mountain men. And that key he tied to the end of a kite, it opened the gates of hell! Well, let me know when you get back to horror. Will do. What do you feel about that, Matt? I mean, that sounds about right for Stephen King. I thought it was a fine bit. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. So, it's, I guess it's nice to see him on the show. And that they wrote in a nice segment. Uh, then we get a bit with Christopher Walken, played by Jay Moore. Because apparently Christopher Walken was going to be in the show. But then he demanded too much money. So they just of had course. Jay Moore play him. And then they have him doing a children's book reading and the kids are scared of him is it has do you think the public image of christopher walken has shifted in the intervening years because it feels like he's much more i know that in movies he generally pl plays weirdos and ter terrifying men who are have like who are violent spontaneously but it feels like lately Lately, Lately he's, he's been like kindly old grandfather who's not quite all there. Yeah, he's the it kind of shift has been towards like more like I'm just a weird older family figure, but not scary. Yeah. In 2000, was it? Oh, I'm just a scary guy. I'm scary guy. I thought it would. I think even... he hadn't made turn that corner yet. Had the Fat Boy Slim uh dance video yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. I don't think that was in two. That was like 2004, 2005. I want to say. Really? No, there's no way. Weapon of Choice. Weapon of Choice came out in 2001. So, okay. So, I hadn't quite hit. I feel like that was the turning point when Christopher Walken went from, like, scary guy who was always beating people up and in the mob to, oh, he's funny now. Many dances and, he, you know, those funny... I mean, he was doing funny bits on SNL by this point. He was doing the, um... The... the, the what, what, I can't remember the name in a second. I don't know. That's It's a very strange thing, because that's not... This image of him scaring children is not what I think of when I think of Christopher Walken anymore. Maybe in 2000, it was just was different. Um, so we so we have Stephen King, uh, Christopher Walken, in quotation. Uh, then we meet Amy Tan, who insults Lisa for asking her a question about her book. How dare she? I, I mean, at a certain point, I don't I know you've been to enough panels at conventions matt where you have to listen to people ask questions of the people on the panel oh it's just the worst it's really generally very bad so i don't blame amy chan at all even if this was real and then we go to crusty who is having a book signing uh and we learn that john updike wrote his book and then we meet sophie for the first time 
<laughs> Book writing, what a scam, huh? It's only 20 pages long, and this guy wrote it for me. What's your name again? John Updike. Whoa, whoa, I didn't ask for your life story. So you really know Krusty? What's he like? Oh, he's wonderful. He would do anything for his fans. Hurry up, kid. Name? Hey, it's me, Bart. Your biggest fan. Hey, good for you, because I want to know that all my fans are, you know. K the C. Hey, this pen's got to last me all day. Now, if you could up, 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 up. Yeah. Name? My name is Sophie. Hey, good luck with that. I'm your daughter. What? I finally found my daddy. Go. Oh, I think I just seltered myself. <laughs> Shut up, Updike. <laughs> That's like one of the best bits in the whole thing is shut up updike you get john updike legendary american writer and he says his own name and then he chuckles he's a special fellow i don't john updike's fine um uh but there there you would think that this is where we get to the plot right uh, that should be off you'd think that's where we get to it but no no not, unfortunately for us not, we are screwed not quite there yet this is roughly seven minutes in still not quite to uh, you think it would be because crushy just met his own daughter but uh, not quite there um we go to commercial uh and when we come back from uh our wonderful fun commercial break uh we find out how crusty met uh sophie's mom uh, it turns out that Krusty does USO shows because that's what soldiers want when they're off at war is a clown telling hackneyed jokes from the 50s. Because, well, I guess that's what they want. Anyway, so Krusty does a terrible bit and it leads to him meeting a beautiful one. Saddam Hussein? They should call him so damn insane, huh? Hey, you're just fanning the flames of hatred! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, just when you thought the desert couldn't get any hotter, it's the Cincinnati Bengal cheerleaders! I can't look at that. I have a girlfriend back home. This is an insult to our Muslim hosts. During the show, a desert wind kicked up. I sought shelter in a nearby tent. Huh? Oh, there was your mother. Looking like a beautiful mirage. Maybe it was the anthrax in the air. Maybe it was a fact the Arab women weren't biting. Whatever it was, it was magic. We slept late into the morning. And then... My God, I'm late for my mission. Here's your mission. Get down with the clown. Oh, come on. No, not now. I'm supposed to assassinate Saddam. Wait a minute, you can't kill Saddam. He's half my act. I just saved my baseball bit. Who's saying Zahn first? Ayatollah Zahn second, and ah, stupid When I came to, she was gone, and the war had been over for eight months. So at the very least, after those terrible series of jokes, we at least learned that he had severe brain damage and was unconscious for eight months. So at least he kind of got what was coming to him. Oh, Matt, that is the... It... It is the, the that is how they write protagonists in The Simpsons and The Scullyers yeah. is they just do something terrible, uh, and they're the 
compensation the justices that they just get pummeled by somebody like home it's yes, generally it's generally homer doing it but this time it just happens to be crusty uh i guess in 2000 jokes about the persian gulf and that and you know saddam hussein and all that stuff was fine because 9-11 yeah hadn't happened yet uh but and then we hadn't, you know, been been in a quagmire of wars in the Middle East, uh, for you know, af- it, for no real reason at the time. So, in retrospect, it just they're they're not great jokes to begin with, and then with all the stuff that's happened since, they're even worse. Jokes about anthrax, really? <laughs> I just it's not. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's been ten years at the time so maybe it didn't make it it wasn't a big deal or as big a deal but now really it's just you can't, it just ages so bad it's just so bad with the intervening years <laughs> like there's been other jokes that have been like oh it looks bad now but this is a series of jokes that you're like oh these are all bad very bad yeah <sighs> like I mean, first of all, Krusty's humor is intentionally the, Awful, based on yeah. like Bob Hope and and terrible jokes from you know the fifties and sixties. And when you it, it was bad enough, like, they were supposed to be bad jokes back in the nineties and two thousands. Now they're just they're somehow even worse. And the fact that even laughing at them now just seems wrong because it's just it's crossed from ah that's crazy and outdated to man that is patently stupid and offensive and we should be mad at him for making those jokes not just ignoring and not laughing well i mean i think there wasn't i think it's it it's not just this episode but this that is a perfect example of it the fact that used to be oh look like this is crusty illustrating the fact that people are still doing this and like we still like it's still like a thing and isn't this isn't this joke so bad that they're funny and now there are still people trying to make doing like oh no you guys are too sensitive no your jokes are just bad and they're old and dated and like it's not it's hard to laugh at it now even when it's trying to be bad like i don't i don't want to have i don't want to engage with it at all i just want it to be something clever and this is not i don't know if it was clever in 2000 in 2019 it is definitely not clever no so uh we go back to crusty and sophie uh and how sophie found him when she was typing pathetic clown into a search engine which yeah that would probably do it i mean crusty's probably right near the top it's it's yeah it's it is a funny joke what i really wish was we just saw that <laughs> we just saw Sophie That's true. do the, the work. The show better more than tell. Yeah. I, I instead of fireworks from with Homer and Bart, why don't we? Because so again, I'm gonna say I say this like it seems like I say this every episode. Sophie is not a character. Sophie no, is, is barely is a, a, a means to an end. She's a plot device. She barely. She is a little girl that can play a violin that has an angry mom. There's nothing else to her. She wants a dad. But that there's no we don't know anything else about Sophie. It does nothing Sophie does matters really. Like she is just a way to get Krusty to do this thing, this thing, and this thing. Yep. Uh so yes. That, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh so yeah, at this point Sophie guilts Krusty into uh spending some time with her, aka a day at the beach. 
and then uh, you know, of course, she starts out by saying, "Oh, my assistant will do it," and then she basically super guilts him into taking him herself. Uh, we then cut back to the Simpson family for some reason, I guess to remind us that the show is about them, uh, where Homer is gossiping to God in his prayers rather than actually, you know, giving thanks for anything or asking for anything meaningful. Nothing. You got nothing on Homer gossiping? No. And Matt, I, okay. I don't know. I, there's just there, it's just low. It's just meanness. It's just it's just it's just. I could go on forever, Matt. There's a joke here about Mod Flanders uh, being promiscuous in heaven. Yeah, which, which again, is, really, I, really? I don't. There's none of it I want. I don't find any of that good. <laughs> I, I no, thank you. I'll pass. Yeah. So, uh, at this point, uh, we see Krusty on his beach trip with Sophie, uh, where he makes himself a martini, puts on a sleep mask, and then proceeds to lay down in the sun, which is one of the worst things you can do for yourself ever so congratulations crusty i mean <laughs> never fall asleep in the sun ever no i i mean i would the beach drinking i would say get a beach umbrella and then do that because that is that sounds like a good day to me oh god no the beach is the worst Oof. well you don't go in the summer oh, that's true actually go by the way in case you guys don't know uh florida wintertime best beach weather ever uh, you, you barely even need the umbrella in, in the wintertime you still should have it because you don't want to get skin cancer but still uh it's a nice cool breeze it smells salty it's a little humid but it's florida it's always a little humid that's the perfect time to go to the beach maybe this is a winter beach trip uh for uh, it, you know it doesn't matter crusty, so. i do want to say that there, there is this scene does have something that i enjoy in this episode which i think is noteworthy and it's uh, like you, we see one. It does the thing where we get to see other townspeople being townspeople. Yeah, like we get to see uh, Pooh and his kids. We get to see Flanders. We get to see Kearney and his son. <laughs> I do want to remember that Kearney is in elementary school, and so this is his child. He's divorced, and he has a kid who's in the same class, or not quite the same class yet. But and then we get to see Homer. And Homer is actually being a father in this one little bit. Like, I mean, he's a father a lot. He's just usually a bad one. No, this I one, mean, he's being mildly competent. This is, but it's like a throwback to like, hey, let's acknowledge the fact that Homer is a is sometimes nice to his kids and does things with them and is not necessarily only thing he does with them is blow up fireworks and destroy the other children's things. It is like him. The, the kids are all hanging on him and kind of like. Not necessarily – he's not enjoying it, but he's putting up with it because he loves his kids. And, like, I don't know where that Homer is the rest of this episode or this season. Like, it's, like, three three seconds of Homer just being, like, a dad who puts up with his kids annoying him because he loves them. And <laughs> they just don't ever show that any other time. And just seeing that it's refreshing. It's nice. And it, like, remember, yeah, like, in this moment – because Krusty goes, oh, that's the dad I I am. Krusty sees Homer, and he goes, that's the dad I need to be. Like, that's me. If I'm going to be a dad, I'm not going to be Flanders. I'm not going to be a Pooh. I can be that one, though. And it's not And it's not necessarily even a bad thing. Because Homer, clearly in that moment, is putting up with his kids because he loves them. And that's the last time we really see that in this episode. So I'm just reaching out and saying, hey, that's a nice bit. Yeah, after this, it's all bit after bit after bit, and not even particularly good ones. So, uh, um, so Homer uh, basically teaches Krusty how to be a good dad, uh, which basically announced to maybe you should 
spend some time with him. Maybe we'll pay a little attention. Although Homer uh, fails to save Lisa from a bunch of sharks that are circling her in the it's water. Not because Matt, it's not. No, 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 no. It's not sharks. That was a manta rays. It's a manta ray, which are harmless. Thank you. That's true. Okay, so it's not as bad. But she is scared of the manta rays because this is Lisa as an eight-year-old, not Lisa as a writer stand-in. So she actually, you know. I would think that Lisa would understand the manta rays are harmless and like would treat them like a big puppy. I would hope so because they are so adorable. I don't, I don't uh, know so, how I call them adorable, but they are. <laughs> they're kind of their faces are just kind of big, like Rawr! they just kind of look. They're always yelling at you. That's true. I mean, does, if, if you can get them on the side of a, a uh, you know, a aquarium or whatever, then you can see their faces just kind of go wow, 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 wow with their the, mouths, and it's yeah, super cute. That I don't know. I don't think I agree with that, Matt. You think that's cute, but you don't think babies are cute. Yeah, exactly. They're they're emote those big cold white faces of the manta rays just devil just staring. They're so ah, cute. Bah, they're like a stretched bah. face, stretching in a good way, You're not a... in a weird mm-hmm. creepy way. Babies are the uncanny valley. That's just what it is. I've determined that. It's like they're like a human face, but not really. So it's creepy. I got nothing. To, I got nothing to say to you. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, we have a nice montage of Krusty being a good father, actually spending time with Sophie, you know, playing in the ocean with her, you know, going fishing with her, paying the sea captain to put fish on her line. So it seems like she's doing well. You know, the things a father does. Yeah, it's this is to make the kid win. Uh, this is not bad. This is not a bad no. part of the episode. I, I I enjoy this. If it led to anything meaningful, I would like it even more. So yes. Uh, this is him being a good father. And then, of course, he has to go and ruin it uh, because at the end of the day, we see Krusty in a poker game with Homer, Moe, Snake and Fat Tony, a weird assemblage of people. Uh, like Moe, Snake, Fat Tony. I can see them. Maybe Krusty. How Homer got there? No idea. Uh, but Homer is there again to remind us that it's the Simpsons, I guess. Krusty gets a great hand. He has nothing left to bet because he has lost everything to Fat Tony, including his watch. Uh, so he goes out to his car. He attempts to pull out the stereo, which sets off the alarm and blows him into the back seat where he sees Sophie's violin, which she has left in his car for some reason. And so he bets Sophie's violin, uh, which even the guy appraising, I believe it's legs that appraises the uh, violin says, uh, you know, it, it has no real value. It's a kid's violin. It's probably in terrible shape, but the sentimental value is through the roof. So Fat Tony takes it. And then Krusty proceeds to lose with four of a kind, which is very hard to do in five card draw. But it's the Simpsons. He loses to Fat Tony's straight flush, <laughs> which causes Krusty to break down and start crying. And with that, we go to commercial. That's not true, Matt. This is I. This is actually the the one bit that I do. I think the the the, the funniest thing in this episode to me is oh, Fat right, Tony. When, yeah. Then go then playing the violin into to Krusty being sad. I I do appreciate that. That's a good gag. Uh, although, <laughs> so I just want to. I I I don't know if the Simpsons writers understand. Like I, we can see the serial numbers, guys. You should rub, file them off or something. Krusty disappoints his daughter because and makes her lose her instrument. Yeah, like, why didn't he just buy her a different violin and say, oh, yeah, you know, I uh, I, I thought your violin could use work. I know it's yours, but this one is a much better one. Krusty's rich. He could have bought her a Stradivarius. Don't give him – one, he can definitely not afford a Stradivarius. And two uh, – Depending on the episode, he can. I guess that's – yeah, I guess it depends on how rich Krusty is. Uh, but it's just Lisa 
is such an established character and is so directly connected to her saxophone. You can make the thing that Sophie does anything but a violin. It could be anything that she cherishes. And you just make it a violin. I don't know. Yep. So we come back for commercial. Kirsty reveals um, that he has given up her violin and makes her very, makes Sophie very, very sad. Hey, hey, Dad! Hey, hey! Now look, Sophie, I know you think your daddy's perfect. No, I don't. But I did a bad thing. I lost your violin in a poker game. You what? But don't worry, I got you an even better one! This is a ukulele! Yeah, the thinking man's violin. Check it out. I want to go back to my little grass shack in Akealaka, Kauai. I want my violin. But honey, I... I, I, I can't believe you would gamble with something that meant so much to me. Wait! Time out. Four aces is not a gamble. Mom was right. I was better off not knowing you. Ooh, that's rough. That hits you right in the feels right there. I... I, it would, Matt, if Sophie was a real character. Well, yeah, instead of just a... I, like, if they had sent any amount of time establishing... Anything with Sophie other than that she's a little girl, she's Krusty's daughter, and that she misses him and wants to spend time with him, and now he has disappointed her. That is her entire arc. I know, but it's this has taken place in the span of roughly five minutes... Four, four minutes, four to five minutes of this is all, all this is all transpired in four to five minutes because the, and we do not get Krusty and Sophie bonding at all until 14 minutes into the episode. Two thirds yeah. of the way in is when they start actually bonding. Why doesn't the episode start with the book fair? They meet immediately. We launch directly. into. Why are we spending all that time? With the fireworks stuff, with the I, I get they wanted guest stars Stephen King and John Updike, whatever Amy Tan they wanted them on the show, I guess or something. But you take so long to get this established. Sophie's doesn't get any time. If we had spent some time with Sophie trying to track down Krusty, or sp- some time with Sophie and her mom alone, or any like you could have. Why does it they? Why didn't they bring in Sophie with like a creative like they? The joke of Sophie doing it, typing pathetic clown into a search engine is funny. I will acknowledge that. But why doesn't Sophie just meet Bart and or Lisa at school? They become friends. And then she mentions, oh, I've never had, I've never known my dad, etc. Or That would be much better. That's or, <laughs> But then you couldn't get all the celebrities at the book show. I, you're right. I feel like that's organic or and it lets us meet her in a nicer, nicer, neater way. And we can see more time with her and see her, meet her as a child, not just as a plot device. Cause we meet her literally at the moment. She tells Krusty that she is his daughter. And I alluded earlier, Matt, to this episode could have been way worse. Cause you want to know what the original idea for this episode was? Oh dear. Is Sophie is Homer's long lost daughter. <laughs> like oh man that... they didn't do it they didn't do it hey logic the, the logic prevailed Thank goodness and at least in that instance so crusty is upset because he's disappointed is like what does he expect to happen why is i don't and th- that's the other thing like i the choice is i'm gonna gamble using her violin and it's not it's not that 
I don't, it's not a bad, like, okay, if you told me point blank range, like, yeah, I have, I I have four, he has four aces, right? Or he has four kings and an ace. I forget what it four is. Four aces. Four aces. He has four aces. And he's that, and, and you put that proposition to me, I'm going to go, I'd probably, I'd probably in Krusty's position, do whatever I could to make that bet because it's, pro- it's a good bet. The chances of losing are incredibly small. Yeah. The math bears out most poker players would absolutely go all in in that situation and like what i want to know is what like obviously four of a kind four aces especially is so incredibly rare what are the odds that in that same round that same hand you had also had a straight flush like that's very very small very very small chances so it's not that like i it the episode like is too it, and this happens a lot lately is that the episode doesn't want to make these characters do too bad a thing except when they do the worst thing and sometimes you got to make them do things that are bad like make Krusty make a bad bet and he loses like that makes it worse but it also makes his redemption more meaningful when he goes when he makes a bet that most people would probably make because the chances of losing are so small it doesn't really mean as much when sophie says oh you bet on my when he says it's not really a that's not really gambling i'm like you're kind of he's barely he's only wrong a little like because it's most times 99.9 percent of the time you're gonna win it doesn't and it's it's just another like small choice like a small investment like small choice in the writing that undermines what they're trying to do sophie is sad and fat tony has the violin so crusty needs help how to redeem himself so he goes to Homer. You gotta help me! My daughter found out I'm a jerk! Oh, Krusty, I'm sure she just needs time to get used to you. Marge, may I play devil's advocate for a moment? Sure, go ahead. Come on, get in there! Go! Stupid game! Now, what were we talking about? My daughter's violin! Oh, right. Why don't we just break into Fat Tony's compound and get it back? Really? You'd help me take on the mob? For a casual acquaintance like you? Absolutely. I... I can't, Matt. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, don't, I just... I don't... It's kn- Looney Tunesy. It's not even... It's not even... It is Looney Tunesy. You're right. Like, that's not an incorrect statement, because after this point, it is genuinely just, like, third act action sequence, it's zany, and it ends. It doesn't really matter the episode wraps up and like i i've been ragging on this episode but this episode for season 12 is fine like it's not good but it could be worse like there it's not blatantly terrible the way that certain episodes are like that's the that's where we're at right now this episode is is not good it's not even mediocre but it's not blatantly awful because everything does end the episode ends it has things wrap up i guess it's not neat but it happens but it it just it doesn't confront the fact that this is not how this is not how you this is not how you i don't know complete this story and make it have emotional catharsis because the mistake crusty has made is gambling with his new daughter's violin and forget how likely or unlikely it is to lose it he gambled with his daughter's violin because he didn't 
he didn't take her feelings into account in how she would feel if she lost it. And to present it as an option in a, in, uh, a game is callous. So how would you wrap up that story and have him make reparations, redeem himself? You have him make a choice, much like he did in in gambling with the violin, that demonstrates the opposite. You demonstrate that, oh, no, he actually cares about his daughter and, and how she feels about him, and he is willing to accept her in as a part of his life. That is how you would do that, I think. I mean, in a very generic, <laughs> in a generic sense. Like, that's, if I'm, if, like, I'm pitching an episode where, okay, Krusty's in it, his daughter comes back, he hurts her feelings because he doesn't think about her. I would say, well, in the end, he redeems himself by demonstrating, no, he does care about her in some way. But the, I think the interesting way to do that is not having him just have an action sequence. Zany Looney Tunes does not demonstrate emotion. It doesn't demonstrate anything because there is no threat here. There, there literally is no threat presented by Fat Tony. No one will get hurt. No one can die. No one can. Right. No one can even get substantial physical punishment done to them. Like literally, in this very same episode, we saw uh, his. Toby's mom choke him now and he's fine they and they make a joke about him being in a coma like it obviously he's fine there's no actual threat of physical violence so him willing to take on endangerment means nothing so when you say that is the payoff to this the the emotion that is they're trying to build it fizzles there's nothing there there's nothing there's no fuel there's no it's just just a nothing nothing to grab onto and so it's just hey a zany action sequence ends episode and sophie gets her violin back but it doesn't mean anything who cares it's just some jokes about the mafia yeah well that's what the simpsons needs more mafia jokes i mean we we had uh uh one bart is a bartender for the mob uh bart the murder bart the murder we had bart the murder. i i think we're done with mafia stuff for the most part unless you have something fresh well i mean it's not that I don't mind the mafia joke. Like they're fine, but they're getting in the way. And like the I the Fat Tony stuff doesn't really make sense in the rest in this episode. They're like Fat Tony just shows up at a game at a poker game, and then suddenly he is a big payoff in the third big story beat of the episode. The thing that's supposed to make emotional catharsis. Like you think of the best Simpsons episodes when you think back to the third act. The third act, big climactic payoffs, they're all you know, connect back thematically to what the story is trying to tell you. Fat Tony, what does Fat Tony have to do with anything about Sophie or or her mother or any of it? Or Krusty, for that matter. Krusty has dealings with the mob in the past, but that's about it. And they don't reference that at all. They don't care about the continuity, for, for God's sakes. So they break into... Fat Tony, Krusty, and and Homer has to be involved. That's the other thing. It's just like, oh, we can't just have Krusty do something. We have to have Homer there. So Krusty and Homer break into Fat Tony's hideout. Uh, there's jokes about was it we have uh, like they're having like a a, a meetup of all the families, and this is I think the first appearance of uh what uh, tight lips, right, Matt? 
Uh, Johnny Tight Lips, yes. Johnny Tight Lips and, and, and the Squealer. What's his name? Something in the Squealer, who is apparently a loves to talk. So lots of jokes about that, jokes about mafia stuff. I They're fine. They're not bad. Like, the jokes in this, again, are not bad. It's mainly that the plot is meaningless. Um, But they eventually come to a room where ugh, there's a bunch of island cases. They all have Tommy guns in them. So they try to take out the whole stack. They drop the stack. Tommy guns are firing everywhere. The mafia sees them. They start shooting guns at everyone. Uh, Johnny Tightlips gets shot. Apparently he survives because we see him in a later episode. Yeah. And I reinforce the there are no consequences to any violence so they get the violin and they run and crusty takes the violin back to sophie and the episode ends we gotta get out of here just take them all then it's decided our website name will be crime.org i think we're in the clear <clears throat> <clears throat> Johnny Tightlips, where'd they hit you? I ain't saying nothing. Well, what do I tell the doctor? Tell him to suck a lemon. <gasps> hey! You did it! You got it back! Thanks, Dad. Dad. That still sounds weird to me, but I'm glad we're friends again. And you've lined the case with money. Uh? Small bills, unmarked, and non-sequential. Holy simoleons! There must be five grand in there. Oh, which I intentionally put in there for you. You, you lucky little hamantashin. Come on. How about a tune for the old man? <laughs> That's him. That's the one. Homer Simpson. I said I was sorry. Oh, All right, okay. fair enough. Class act. Sorry, you're such jerks. Ha <laughs> ha. That bullet went in. Yep, that bullet went in. That's that's what they do. I I, I I'm gonna go back and over the skull years. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, after we're done. I'm gonna count how many times Homer is mortally wounded over the end credits. Oh, you just want to hurt yourself, don't you? I want to find out. Because it is it is more than... This is at least number three. At least. To be fair, getting shot won't necessarily kill you. You could easily survive being shot, depending where you That's true, but you're right. Mortally wounded is a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, that's how the episode ends, Matt. Mercifully. Mercifully. It's not... It's bad. It's a... Here, this is the thing. It's bad, but we've already seen much, much worse. And it's it is that is where I'm at. Where I watch this and I go, this is bad, but it's fine. Bad, you know. It's just like, oh, great. It's there. I can easily point out the things it does wrong about the mistakes it makes about character. It does. It's so so similar to. It follows the same pattern that they just hammer into us over and over and over again. Where the first act means nothing. And it's just a bunch of endless, simple gags that some land, most don't. You know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they. this has, at its core, it is trying to tell this a, a sweet story, so I'll give it some credit for that. But it doesn't, it, it lacks like a fundamental understanding of of character. Like, it doesn't, it is not concerned with it. And, f frankly, that is what The Simpsons is. I don't care, like, I don't, I, I'm not going to change that. Like, that is what The Simpsons was, 
and it was established as. And I don't care how many times people go, oh, it became a different kind of show. Yeah, worse kind of show. I agree. <laughs> Over time. Uh, and l until it go when it doesn't understand that the characters have to be relatively real people, I'm not going to give them, cut them slack. Um, this episode's fine. It's fine. It's not good. It's bad. But it's it, that's where I'm at. It's fine. I'm like, I, I could be worse. You know, it could be way, it could be, it could be, you know, giving Marge uh, an insanity uh, storyline, or it could be having Homer be a missionary and be offensive. Like, it's, it's not that, it's not even close. So it's, that, that's where I'm at, Matt. I can't, I'm not even, not, I'm not that upset. It's just, this, it's just, it's fine. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat. It's just. This is a fine episode for season 12, and it's the best we're going to get for a while. So I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to like it, but I'm not going to hate it. Yeah, it's. I don't want to get too worked over that. Like, I'm going to save. Like, we have Homer vs. Dignity in two weeks. I'll, I'll get. <laughs> don't worry. Oh, uh, why'd you have to remind me? Uh, and to, I'll get worked up over that. But this is, I'm not going to. I don't think this episode is broken, not fundamentally. I think it, it, it is, it's fine, and it's, how, and it's kind of bland badness you know it yeah that's but that's what it is um but we can move on oh wait we'll rank this episode at the end of the show we can move on to our next segment it's time for comments from the news group okay here we are alt.nerd.obsessive comments from the news group is where i come through the old alt.tv.sensons news group to see what people were talking about the week or two after an episode debuted uh what they thought of it primarily uh, i got some reviews for you matt i know you're excited okay. I know you're thrilled. I am, indeed. Uh, first, we have, let's see, as the past season's show, one of the good episodes of each season is usually the second non-Trios of Horror episode of each season, and this year is no exception. I don't care much about Krusty's daughter. Oh, really? <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, the idea of Krusty trying to show that he cares about her is well handled. Plus, Homer's idiocy provides a lot of humorous moments in the episode. Now, only if they did a fire starter crack. A double crack at two of the guest stars. Can you know what those those two guest stars would be i have no idea firestarter is a novel written by stephen king okay Th that's your that's your first hint i don't know why they said firestarter though because i think they mean the a dead the dead zone but i don't whatever uh you can newsgroup people can't ever take them seriously uh what a delightful episode i don't know what it is about bloodthirsty organized crime syndicates that's so funny but man what a funny show this was clearly the best episode since bart the mother Gee, there were a few weak spots but well no one's perfect not even mike scully a minus <laughs> wow okay <laughs> no one's perfect but this episode started out with a nice realistic premise but got boring after the first act i what Huh? But but well, it started with fireworks. But that's, this episode was actual plot started. Are this, they saying the plot's the worst part? I don't know. This episode wasn't bad or anything, just mediocre to the point of having no emotional response to it. The first act was the best primarily because of the authors and the fireworks. Okay then. The rest of the show lagged on and I got tired of seeing so much of Krusty. There also weren't too many good jokes in the show, D plus. Uh finally Eh, I was pretty bored. The jokes were a little thin. There was nothing interesting about the plot at all. For example, the mob climax of the third act wasn't nearly as energetic as Mayor to the Mob. And unlike ba Burns Baby Burns or Mother Simpson, there's no interesting setup as to how Krusty's daughter finds her dad. True. I guess parts of the episode were sweet, but there are no sour jokes unless last, unlike last week's episode. Uh, ultimately, to paraphrase Andre Lombardo's review of, of like some 
news group guys review of kidney trouble this episode gave neither a good aftertaste nor a bad aftertaste it gave nothing at all d yeah i think that sounds about right i think i agree with that one the most so far yeah um uh here we go see the song playing uh as crusty and sophie bond is called i like that girl it is also playing over the end the end credits so matt who do you think sings i like that girl is it that favorite band of Mike Scully that he always go to, goes to? You're right. How'd you know? And the uh, R- I have no idea. And RBQ is the is Mike Scully's favorite band that just pops up over and over and over again during his years. Uh, finally, let's see. The song playing while Krusty and Sophie play on the beach and Fat Tony's violin riff are both creations of the Simpsons music director, Alf Clausen. And he gets a special credit for them, a rarity on the show. Hmm. Still can't believe they fired him. Yeah, that seems a little odd, but I think we've been over this before. We have. Um, we don't. If I don't remember when we officially talked about it, but we uh, didn't like didn't like it then. Still don't like it now. Uh, not much else on the show for that segment. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is the darkest Simpsons episode? Appreciate everyone who took the time. Uh, first from Shams. Excuse me while I kiss the sky. Here we, I got a couple joke answers to start us off. They shut the lights off to reduce the light pollution. Then later on, Homer cuts off all the power to Springfield. Yeah, I, I, and then Will. Who shot Mr. Burns? Because Mr. Burns blocked out the sun. Yeah, good job. Guys. You guys are very funny. Uh, first from friend of the show, Andrew. It has to be Homer's enemy. There's other episodes where dark things happen, but no other episode is so centered on and committed to the idea that shows central character is unremittingly terrible, that his charmed life and the town that enables him should be a source of shame and censure rather than entertainment, and that dealing with one of TV's most beloved characters in real life would be maddening to the point of death. It ends with the town laughing at another Joseph Homer's antics while a man is lowered into his grave for Christ's sake. I love it, but there'll never be a Simpsons episode more thoroughly marbled with darkness than this one. Uh, next from Andrew, two heavy and thematically similar episodes are One Fish, Two Fish, Blowfish, Bluefish, and Homer's Triple Bypass. Both of them deal with Homer facing his own mortality, but his family dealing with the emotional fallout in their own ways, and him trying to make amends or deal with past regrets before he possibly dies. Both episodes have a sense of underlying dread. I guess I have to give the edge to Homer's Triple Bypass, since the premise is a little more serious and grounded and less joke-heavy. Both of them are also early on in the run, it'd be hard to imagine such a serious take nowadays. Uh, from Sean, uh, when Mona Simpson passed away, I know why, and I know the jokes made around the episode, but it still is a very sobering moment when you see and empathize with Homer walking in to speak to his mother and realizing she had passed. Uh, Lauren, I second Homer's enemy. This episode is, is darker because it brings to light the pivotal point that Homer doesn't deserve his house, Marge, the kids, and lobster for dinner. The man is a buffoon and a drunk who rarely works, and when he is at the plant, he's asleep. On top of that, the death of Frank Grimes, or Grimey as he likes to be called... I laugh. It doesn't matter. I laugh every time. It's very dark. Although done in a cartoonish fashion, the man is electrocuted to death because he's driven mad by the injustice that is Homer's life. Uh, AJ, the humor of Homer's enemy is a little dark compared to their usual stuff. Arguably any Sideshow Bob episode. I mean, he is wanting to murder a child. Hard to get darker than that while retaining the comedy of The Simpsons. Uh, John at Chapel Star 311. Wayne, Wayland Smithers Sr. dying from nu- nuclear radiation and for Mr. Burns to place him in the sewer drain and then Homer finds his corpse. Oh yeah, almost forgot. Homer keeps Smithers Sr.'s skull in his memories box. I wonder if Milhouse's teeth are in that box. Ooh. 
Um, employee millionaire oh, oh Benjamin there's no excuse for the boys of bummer enough said do appreciate people who do the post golden years answers and that's the boys yeah. of bummer is definitely contender FPL professor at yes I would Kent Homer Simpson and Kidney's trouble is so just so tough to watch it's a chore I can't do it if Homer doesn't want to give a kidney that's fine but they take it from him without his knowledge or consent his last action was to run away from giving his kidney the episode is dark from Lauren at L Columbia 88. My brother and I couldn't decide between Homer's enemy with a gruesome death of Frank Grimes in the end and secrets of a successful marriage when Homer lives in a treehouse and makes a marge out of a potted plant. This is your new <laughs> This is your new mother. Oh. <laughs> it is pretty pretty bad. Uh finally from Karima at K Stit 23. Homer's art, Homer's Odyssey by far is the darkest episode with Homer losing his job and attempting suicide definitely had to be the darkest ep for me. Yeah, so anytime suicide is brought up, yeah, I would say it's pretty dark. And it is for the first season in particular. Matt, what is your answer? Uh, I'm actually going to go with uh, a season 15 episode uh, just to shake things up a little bit. I'm going to go with Codependence Day. Uh, I don't know if you recall this one, but it's the one where uh, Marge and Homer discover they both really enjoy getting drunk on wine. Uh, Homer proceeds to wreck the car and then blames Marge on it, uh, after which she is incredibly despondent. <laughs> and the, the episode ends by marge realizing she enjoys spending time with homer and not getting drunk and that's the resolution like that is <laughs> I'm bad sorry. but also so depressing and awful i just i i'm, I'm sorry i'm yeah. laughing Matt. it's not funny but it is funny because it's so bad um yeah and that's what those people say it gets better after mike scully leaves i i mean yeah there's that episode there's the marge gets breast implants episode that those are both after the scully years they're both bad very bad it's almost like people after season nine just stopped getting marge and really stopped trying i will talk about it <laughs> as we go and probably get more despondent as we go my answer i think is homer simpson in kidney trouble like it is there there are multiple contenders i think it's it's just it is just, like the fact that it became an episode where where his literally his father is going to die and Homer, instead of giving up his kidney, runs away. He comes back and instead ending like on a rational note where Homer faces his fear and just gives it up. They take it from him. They steal an organ from him while he's unconscious. It's insane. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Stealing organs. <sighs> okay, next week's question. This is a... This is a Asked of me by uh, Andrew Bloom of the AndrewBlog.net, friend of the show, get off frequent guest on the show, and I, I think it's a good question, and I think it's a really interesting question because we get asked the question a lot, like why do you think the show failed? Why do you think The Simpsons became Zombie Simpsons? Why you know? And we've talked about that over the past couple seasons in particular, but Andrew asked me the question. And I think it's a good question to ponder as we move forward. Why did the show? never get better again why did the show never return to consistently be close to the golden years again like you think about snl like another long running show that has had great years and then bad years but then it comes back and it's great again you know it things cast shifts or for whatever reason the show gets better again and lauren michaels has been there the entire time and you think with a singular guy controlling it you think it would be relatively consistent but it's not at all so and so 
when you know Al Jean has been running the show since Scully left, why has The Simpsons never gone? We're like, oh yeah, season eighteen was amazing. They got back to the level. But no, yeah. we never got there. We always get like kind of just a very fair, fair through. Like hey, it's fine. You know, we get certain episodes that are really great, but it's never like, oh, I think I can't, there's no season post Golden Years that I go season four, season six, season eight. Where all of them were so great and consistently great. Why did we? Why did the show never return to that level? It's a thinker, but it's an interesting question. I'm interested to see what you guys say. Push this question on all our social media. Facebook.com slash The Simpson Show Pod, Twitter at Simpson Show Pod, and you can email us at Simpson Show Pod at gmail.com. Reach out to us any of those places, like us, follow us. Uh, you can see this, this stuff in your feed. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It's time to No Ghoul Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt and I. Each challenge each other are three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, one hard, and try and stump the other. We are tied so far for season 12. Four to four. We'll see how it goes as we go, Matt. You alluded earlier that your questions this week are a little questionable, whatever that means. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I think they're good questions overall. I just worry mm. about certain things about uh, them. Okay. Uh, I, I'll start us off, man. You ready for an easy question? I am ready. These are all from Eight Misbehaving. Okay. Apu and Manjula have how many children? I believe eight. <laughs> That's correct. Okay. All right. Your easy question for today. Uh, all of my questions are from this little wiggy, uh, one of my wife's favorite episodes. Uh, in this little wiggy, what building do Bart and Ralph explore after the bullies throw their keys into it? Uh, the abandoned prison. You are correct, sir. Where's the new prison? That's my question. Uh, they don't have one. Uh, Springfield is becoming utopia. Uh, either that or they uh, expanded the death penalty for everything. <laughs> they have a county jail, but where's the prison? Like, did they just not have... I don't know. Okay. Your medium question, Matt. Who guest stars as Larry Kidkill? Uh, oh, I know this. I know this. I know this. Larry Kidkill. Larry Kidkill. It is... Who was that? No, Butch Packer. Butch Packer is himself. <laughs> I want to say it's like... I, the name Gary Marshall is coming up, but I have no idea what he is from. What's your answer, Matt? Gary Marshall, okay, because it's not Butch Patrick. <laughs> but, like, I remember the name and looking it up in the previously, but I have no idea what he is from. Okay, well, one, you're correct, Matt. It is Gary, Gary Marshall is Yay. the voice of Larry Kidkill. Gary Marshall is a, a famous, te famous television producer who's co-produced some of the most famous television shows of the 70s and 80s. Oh. We have Happy Days. Uh, let me... I'll get a full list just so we can do him justice. Recently passed, Gary Marshall. Penny Marshall, also who guest-starred of The Simpsons, also recently passed. Let's see. Um, he's also written much television, produced much television. Lucy Worked on Lucy Show, Dick Van Dyke, as a writer. Then as a producer, he produced... So many shows, directed a bunch of shows, did a bunch of movies. I pretty directed Pretty Woman. Remember, you know that movie, Runaway Bride. Yeah, you know that movie. I do know that movie. Okay, he did that. Laverne, Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, Mark and Mindy, Odd Laverne Couple, and Shirley, Laverne and Shirley. You know that famous television show. What's my medium question? Man? All right, so your medium question: How does Lisa get the power shut off to the prison? Oh, she. 
Uh, she tells Mr. Burns that uh, they're not paying for their power, and it's been on for years. There's a very important way she does that that you're missing. What do you mean? That's what how that's how she gets the power turned off. You didn't. Yeah, but okay. How does she get the message to Mr. Burns? That's not what you asked. You did not ask that question. Okay. How does Lisa get the power shut off to the prison? Look, I'll give you one point at this point, but if you want the other one, you got to tell me how the message got to him. I don't know, Matt. I don't know. Okay. A rocket. As you remember, it was kind of a large part of this. They strapped the message to the rocket because they're trying to get it to the prison and it lands on Mr. Burns instead. I don't remember that episode. I've seen it three times or something. Oh. But you ready for your hard question, Matt? I'm ready. What are the names of all of Apu's eight children? Oh, good God. Okay. Um, Priam, Sasha, Geet. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Priya, Sasha, and Geet. That's, that's, all, that's the only three I remember. <laughs> well, two of those are right. I, at least, the, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how it's pronounced, but Sashi, it's not Sasha. Maybe it is Sasha. Sashi, okay, whatever. It's Poonam, Sashi, Priya, Uma, Anoop, Sandeep, Nabendu, and Mother's Favorite, Geet. All right, I, at least you didn't ask me what their stage names were, because then I would have just hung well, up on you. <laughs> only four of them have stage names. Oh, that we hear, yeah, that's true. The rest are just the rest. Yeah, there's, and the rest. There's Dazzler, there's Baron, the Baron, um, Rebel. And I looked this up, too. It was almost a question. Yeah. This is harder, though. What's my hard question, Matt? Your hard question. What other kiosks would we remember Troy McClure from? No idea. There's two of them. I'm I looking don't, for both. I don't know. I don't know either. Again, I've seen little we, this little wee three times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is uh, Welcome to Springfield Airport. Welcome to Springfield Airport and Where's Nordstrom? Where are when are there kiosks in the episode? Uh, when they go to the Springfield Knowledgeium at the beginning, and uh, they're they're you know, on the little walkway coming in, and he's like, "Welcome to the Springfield Knowledgeium. I'm Troy McClure. You're in my memory from other kiosks such as blah blah blah." I got. I would have if you had told me straight up, Matt, that Troy McClure is in this little wiggy, I would have called you a liar. Because <laughs> I don't. Well, unfortunately, that seems like it, that felt like that was post Philip Hartman. I thought so too. That's why I was. I wonder if it was like pre-recorded or something. No, nah, it's probably was released after his passing. I'm guessing, but yeah, but it was recorded prior. We have some bonus questions uh, given to us by by John. Uh, these are all from Bart of Darkness, uh, and he's given us each, both me and Matt, questions for each other. Gone the extra length. Wow. I, I believe he is, is uh, basically telling us that our questions are no longer good enough. We have <laughs> apparently not been making good enough questions for him. I guess not. Uh, I'll start, and then Matt will go, and then we'll alternate. Uh, your first question, Matt. At the Springfield Wax Museum... Wait, no. This is, I think... No, no, this is right. Um, at the Springfield Wax Museum, what two groupings of people have completely melted because of the heat wave? Two groups of people. I believe it is the Beatles and... The original cast of MASH? That is correct. Wow, I can't believe that. I just remember Skinner saying, I'm up to my knees in the original cast of MASH. <laughs> All right, uh, let me get pull the tab up because it wanted to refresh on me. Okay, your easy question. Uh, let's see, what truck drives through Evergreen Terrace after the ice cream van, but before the pool mobile? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. No clue. 
Oh, it is red hot Texas style chili and boiling hot Texas style ginger ale. Oh, oh, don't remember that one. All right, that's so awful. <laughs> All right, your next question. What are the names of the swimming pools pointed out by the salesman? Uh, okay. Let's see. There's the Tinkler, obviously. Uh, uh, yes, very uh, clearly the, the Tinkler. Rust bucket. What's that? Yes, the Tinkler. That is one. Okay. Uh, the Rust bucket. Um, the Insta Rust. My bad. The Insta Rust. Uh, two more. Okay. Okay. Um, I got nothing. I can't remember the other two. It is the Hick Tub, the Insta Rust, the Lightning Magnet, and the Tinkler. I don't remember Lightning Magnet at all, but why didn't I remember the, the Hick Tub? Uh, was it the Hick what? Hick Tub. Hick Tub. Hick Tub. I, can't, I feel like I should remember that. Anyway. All right. Are you ready for your medium question? Sure. What two incorrect surnames are used by children talking to Marge? You know, when they come in to use the pool, they say, hey, Mrs. Whatever. What uh, are two of the wrong ones? Uh, uh, John has overestimated my intelligence. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Sheldon and Mrs. Johnson. Those were actually kind of close, I guess. Uh, Mrs. Bart and Mrs. Cumberdale. Cumber, okay. No, those are not Cumberdale, I remember Mrs. Bart. I don't remember, I don't remember any of those. Uh, okay. Th- okay, this is the hard question. When was the episode of Classic Krusty first aired? A specific, uh, a specific date. Oh, man, a specific date. This is only only on screen. This is never said. Yes, yes, I remember. Because um, it's the, the AFL-CIO chairman... Uh, is there a labor crisis in America? I believe it is from uh, August 3rd, 1964. I mean, you're in the right decade. February 6th, 1961. Oh, wow. I was way off then. Okay. I mean, you're three years away. That's not... Um, what, what... Give me... Oh, right. My turn. All right. Your question. Your hard question. Uh, which character in Bart's play is described as a hearty cherub of a man? <laughs> you're asking me any... Uh, I don't know. Again, I have nothing. <laughs> it is uh, Viceroy Fizzlebottom. Ah, I Saint Sviv- was it Swiven's Day already? That's like yes. That's yeah. That's all I remember. And finally, this is just a general knowledge question. What is the epidermis? Uh, that's your skin. You're correct. <laughs> all right. I feel bad because I feel like your general knowledge question is way harder than mine. When is Saint Swiven's Day? that's i would not have guessed that's a real thing i it is it sounds like a holiday so i would say november 5th uh i'm sorry it is actually july 15th which i had no clue either two days prior to my birthday that's good to know yep uh so So we can celebrate saint swithin's day and your birthday saints everyone's favorite uh thanks you thank you john for demonstrating how bad i am at trivia once again <laughs> i bet we both are at trivia you got all those questions from one episode and here i'm like uh i'm running out of episodes to get trivia from there's always any ep- you can dig down in any one episode that's the beauty of the simpsons is that there's so much yeah. uh, so much hidden things happening uh but that that'll do it for that we can move on to our final segment the segment we end every single episode with is time for best episode ever best episode ever best episode ever is part of show where matt and i rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are so this episode is just mildly kind of uh, average bad versus atrociously bad 
That's true. So it's probably not going to go on our bottom 10, but I don't feel like it's much higher than that. No, it, I think it's better than... I think it's better than Beyond Blunderdome. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely better than that. Um, mm, money Can't Buy Me Love. Oof. I think it's better than that. Lock, better than Loch Ness Monster, okay. Yep, better than Loch Ness Monster. I think it's better than Homer's Odyssey. I think it's better than Simpsons Bible Stories. Um... When we get the Bard of the Future and take my wife's sleeves, I'm starting to get a little muddy in there. Yeah, Summer Janet even, I think, is, is probably better than this. I don't know about those other two, though. I mean, I certainly enjoyed Bard of the Future more than this episode. I don't think I did. Wow. I think I felt roughly the same about them, which is hmm. not much. I felt like not much happened. I, I Actually, I would put this above Take My Wife's Sleeves. I'm put, fine with that. <laughs> I, I would put it. I would put it above Bart of the Future and take my wife's leaves. Um, I think it's a little bit better. A little bit better than both of them. Not great. Not good. Not average. But better than those things. Yes, this is Stock Simpson syndrome. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. There's insane clown poppy at number two hundred twenty on our list. Uh, number 236, Kill the Alligator Run, is still in last place. Next, uh, let's see, no, first is still Homer's Enemy. Uh, our next week's episode is Lisa the Tree Hugger, which... Okay, I have, I have vague good memories about it. I, the, uh, this is often, this is considered one of the best of season 12. Um, we'll see if it holds up. It is a Lisa episode. It is written by Matt Selman, who is for a... Uh, basically post golden years has often contributed the best uh episodes of the simpsons in many ways so i'm hopeful matt i'm hopeful i am too but i'm also cautious because i've remembered some episodes kind of fondly and it's gone terribly well let's we don't have to worry about it until next week um you can find this list this the, all this stuff on our website is the simpsonshow.com links to our facebook to our twitter to our rss feed link to our patreon if you want to throw us a couple dollars we'd love it we appreciate it helps keeps the lights on help keeps our pay for our hosting that's true and we'll read your name even we, if it's a funny one we'll read your name i don't know usually the names are pretty we have some pretty cool names i would say i i that's usually my general impression of our patron people their names are pretty cool pretty good names they're usually pretty witty Pretty, I mean, they're Simpsons fans. They're, they're generally pretty witty. I mean, I mean, I just I'm talking about their normal names, Matt, not their necessarily oh, well, yeah. their screen names. But those two. Um, that'll do it for us today. Before we go, you can find me on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Check out my other podcast, Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Uh, it's about comic books and serial finesse. It's about lots of nerdy things. Matt does not participate in social media. Unless a certain love of Patreon backer, you will not find him. Matt, I'm just gone. There's there's no contacting me. <laughs> just kidding uh, i've decided to build a floating sky fortress uh to rule the skies uh so if you need me a message just to use spotlights uh just throw them into the air and just use a little bit of morse code morse code with lights yes multiple basically lights. you bounce it off the cloud it's like the bat signal but you know there's a little higher bandwidth there rather than just a binary on or off i'm robbie and i'm matt and I keep watching the subsounds <laughs> shh